I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I don't feel sorry for people often, but I really feel sorry for the people in our world who want to take a vacation. How are you going to do that? I told you there was no off-season, but boy, if you ever doubted, you don't doubt anymore, do you? It's not a problem for us, like Jesse. Jesse, I kid you not, producer Jesse got a cyst cauterized off his neck like five hours ago and just came right into work. I still have no clue how Colin came into work during that snowstorm last year, so I, we have a bunch of savages on our staff. Like, you would have to physically detain them to keep them out of work, but not everyone lives like we do. Some people do recognize the off-season, and some people want to take a vacation, and the ACC's not letting you do it. The powers that be are not letting you do it. Realignment? Another earthquake, perhaps, on the horizon for college football? There's what they're telling you, and then there's what is really going on. We are jam-packed. We are high atop an active downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It's Thursday, May 18th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Someone tells me we have 100 days and counting until Hawaii makes their way to Vanderbilt Stadium for some good, hot week zero action. But in the meantime, anybody know who's in the ACC at this hour? Does anybody know who'll be in the ACC this time next year? We'll take a nice hard look at that tonight. Also, I'm going to take a look at the SEC West because we've got several questions there as we continue to scan the magnifying glass across this great land of ours. Several transfer portal moves are still happening, and some of them are very, very big. Uh, case in point, Keon Coleman in Florida State, so we're going to stay tuned in on that. I'm going to talk to you about it tonight. And uh, some Big Ten big games this year. You know, you got the whole division thing, and we're in the last year of it, thankfully. So we don't really have to worry about whether, like, the three best teams in the league are all in the same division, which, spoiler alert, they are. I don't need you to wait until December to find that out. Or at least I think they are. So we'll talk about all that tonight. They're watching us. You know where they're watching us? In Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. They're also watching us in La Rosa, Louisiana, which they tell me is the Kuala Lumpur of the Bayou. So hello to both parties. They're watching us in Clemson, South Carolina, and Westland, Michigan. It's not a mailbag episode tonight per se, but boy, I got asked about two things a lot this week. The first was, of course, 
conference realignment and all the rumors coming out of Amelia Island, which sounds like either a great place to take a vacation or the kind of place where you test bombs. There's no in-between. And a little bit of both, actually, has been going on with the ACC this week. So I got asked about that. And you want to know what else I got asked about a lot this week? Pat McAfee signing that deal with ESPN. Because a lot of you wanted to know what it means for our show. And you know what? I'll talk about it. Not right now, but I'll talk about it a little bit later. So hang tight. We got a, just a grab bag of all sorts of things happening right now. In the middle of May, no less. But let's start where we need to start. <clears throat> It's actually a, a mocking clearing of the throat. A lot of smoke coming out of the ACC. A lot of rumors, a lot of actual reports coming out this week. Now, I'm not going to bore you with rehashing all this stuff. If you want to read about it, there are a number of great and reputable websites and reporters out there who have been following the every move of athletic directors and presidents and commissioners. Brandon Marcello is among them. Works for us here at 24-7. So you want the latest, check out Marcello's feed. Uh, our buddy Ross Dellinger has been on top of this. A number of people have been on top of it. So essentially what we have here is we have a bunch of people who don't really want to be in the ACC anymore, but they are content with lying to you publicly and saying they are happy to be in the ACC as long as you give us a little bit more money because we mean more to the conference. Now, the latter is not a strategy that I frown upon. If I mean more, if I'm Clemson, if I got the tiger paw on the side of my head, if I got the spear on the side of my head, if I'm Florida State, yeah. I just matter more than Syracuse. It just is what it is, and you got to get comfortable with it, or we're going to leave, if we can leave. And then that was part B of figuring out how many teams does it take to break a grant of rights? How do you separate just the media rights portion versus taking your copyright with you? So it's a whole convoluted mess. It's not your job, nor really is it my job to sort through all that. There's not a lot of skill in forecasting something that changes by the hour. And so that's not what I'm going to take up your time or waste your time doing on the show tonight. But I do think there is skill in something here. So whether the ACC stays together through 2036 or whether a bomb goes off next week, there is skill in something. There is skill in using your instinct and using your wisdom and discernment from watching sports over a long period of time to kind of smell what's coming. And here's what's coming. You've got a course that's already been set in college football. No matter which team is in which conference, the end, the end game here is we're headed towards an expanded playoff. 12-team playoff, the format starts next year. So this is the last year we got four teams in the playoff. So in a lot of ways, the course has already been decided here. It doesn't matter about realignment. It doesn't matter whether Clemson goes here. It doesn't matter whether Oregon goes there. The bottom line is, for a lot of you, you're about to be left out in the cold, and it just happens to come at a time where we're expanding the college football postseason, at the same time as the gap between the top two and everyone else will have never been larger. You're going to have the Big Ten? You already do. You're going to have the SEC? You already do. And then you're going to have everyone else. I heard the commissioner there in the ACC yesterday trying and trying hard to remind you that, well, we're third. When it comes to revenue, we're third. You've got two folks who are stuffed and still have a plate full at this table and you got three folks starving over here at this table. And the one who just happens to have a little more meat still on his bones is looking over there at the other two saying, we're not so different, you and I. You're very different. You're so different that folks are actively trying to get out of your conference right now. And that's not necessarily anyone's fault. I'm not here to, to throw fault or blame at anyone's feet, but there was a lot that Swafford said yesterday, the commissioner over there, 
that really shouldn't have inspired much confidence in anyone who understood what they were listening to. And so we're headed into this world where even though the current pressing matter is conference realignment and who's going to go where, I'm losing interest in it a little bit. It's, it's spicy, makes for good headlines. And yes, I guess I am interested in, in if Florida State were to move somewhere. If, if Georgia Tech landed in the Big Ten tomorrow, yes, that would be noteworthy. Yes, we would talk about it on this show. But what are we really changing here? We're not really changing anything. You're either going to have an extremely strong Big Ten and SEC and then everyone else, or you're going to have an extremely, extremely strong Big Ten and SEC and everyone else with just a few more parties on board before everything else sinks. Now, you may ask, Josh, how how do you figure it's going to sink? Isn't there an auto-bid process? Didn't this new college football playoff format include with it half a dozen auto-bid spots for the six highest-ranked conference champs? Answer, yes, it did. And it's going to be a joke. And I think a lot more people are coming to realize that. You can make whatever format you want. It has to be taken seriously. Like, it has to have integrity and some, some sort of competitive respectability woven through it. And right now, you're looking, you're looking at a situation where you're rolling down, Jesse, stop typing that, please. You're rolling down the road towards a world where, yeah, you got 12 teams, and yeah, six of them are about to be from different conferences. Is anybody taking it seriously? Like, are you really watching the Big Ten and the SEC down the road and then juxtaposing it to what the Pac-12's doing or what the Big 12's doing or what the ACC's doing, what the AAC or the Sun Belt's doing and saying, yeah, yeah, you know, every, every conference champ who comes out of there, I'm going to take seriously. I'm going to treat equally. Is that how you're going to watch the playoff is my question. Maybe your answer is yes. Uh, my answer is no. And I really never was going to because I've never really been for auto bids. But I especially won't when I know that like 12 of the 15 best brands collectively or worse are sort of in the same two boats. And it's only going to get worse as the disparity in revenue only grows larger. So there's that. Now, on the other side of things, I had a lot of you ask, well, what do you hope happens? Well, I hope the ACC figures out a way to keep themselves together because you could make the argument that if you want competitive balance nationally, I think probably that train's already left the station. But if you do want to maintain some sense of competitive balance nationally, you really need to be rooting for the ACC. Because the ACC, although the conference has underachieved mightily outside of Clemson, South Carolina over the last decade, the ACC is still the conference that, if its member institutions are operating at a high level, has the best chance to challenge one of those other two big conferences in any given year because of what Clemson has done, but also what Florida State should be doing, or Virginia Tech should be doing, or Miami should be doing. Those are institutions, those are programs that. A, have done it before, B, could do it again, and C, are in recruiting hotbeds. They are where other schools come to recruit in many cases. So the ACC is the conference still with a handful of teams that if everything were going right, could actually be legitimate challengers. Whereas moving forward, once Texas and OU leave, I'm just telling you like it is, most of America, most of the college football public is going to look at the Big 12 and say, it's great that you added Central Florida. It's great that you added Cincinnati or Brigham Young or Houston. It's great that you have occasional stories like TCU or like Kansas State, but the bottom line is we're not going to take them as seriously as Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, or LSU, Bama, Georgia, Tennessee. We're not taking them 
Seriously, we're not viewing them in the same light. That's what's always concerned me about this. It's always been the yin to the yang of the playoff conversation that I've talked about because it's always coincided, this whole expanded playoff notion, with a lot of conference realignment, a lot of, a lot of renewed media rights deals. And you were never going to have a world where the SEC continued to swallow up chunks of college football, ditto for the Big Ten. You were never going to have a world where the Big Ten cashed these like seemingly endless, bottomless barrels of cash coming to them via checks from uh, media rights holders and likewise for the SEC. You were never going to have that world and then also have a world where, oh, well, doesn't matter. The Pac-12 will just chug merrily along. Oh, well, you know, the ACC or the Big 12 will just always be what they've always been. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it's ever worked. So am I concerned about it? Well, of course, of course I'm concerned. I've been concerned for a while because of the core principle that I have continued to hammer home on the show. Is it complicated? Sure, it's complicated, but really it's not, guys. At the end of the day, it's just money. That's all it is. It's just money that's driving all the decision-making, and anyone who claims otherwise is lying to you. I am not anti-money. I'm not anti-profit. I am all for it. But I also believe that there are too few people in the room who prioritize the love for college athletics up against that pursuit of profit and understand that there is this line in the sand that once you cross it, you start to delude your product. You start to delude what gave the product the very value that it is you're cashing in on now and leveraging. And it doesn't, it doesn't erode. It doesn't go away overnight. And maybe it won't at all. That is certainly my, my hope. But for the time being, I'd be lying to you if I said I have immense faith in the people who are driving the boat here. Notice I said people plural, because there is no one person in charge. If that's not already readily apparent to you, there is no one person in charge. And therefore, when it seems like a lot of people are guessing, when it seems like a lot of people are probably waking up in a cold sweat at 3.30 in the morning and checking their phone to see if anything happened, it's because that's exactly what they're doing, because it's out of their hands. It's out of their control. Even the people you think are immensely powerful, to a certain extent, have power that only goes so far. And that's the world we have to live in now. We don't have any power. I mean, it, you know, at least we have a microphone we can talk into, but really, what does that do? So here we are, you know, what, what my strategy personally, if anyone's interested, my strategy is going to be, we'll talk about it through the summer and then the football season will get here and we'll ignore it entirely because games are actually what matter. And as long as we got them coming to us, that's what we're going to talk about. All right. Let us move on. Oh, by the way, what Jesse was typing is Swafford. I said Swafford. He's the old commissioner there. I had just gotten used to talking about him. And um, so who is Phillips over there now? Yeah, Jim Phillips. Okay. It, I mean, it, actually, I was going to say it started with the same letter, but it, it didn't. It was not even close. All right, let's move on. Um, there, how should I describe this? When I did the show the other night, I did not give any great big teasers as to what was coming. I just kind of, I laid it on you. Hey, bold predictions are back. I did that the other night. And I really, really underestimated how popular the bold prediction segment was last year. We did 30 some odd chapters of it. And hundreds of thousands of you have come to our show since then. So you weren't around last year. It was, listen to this. It's a really, really bold premise. So I ask you, what's your boldest prediction that you have that you would bet money on? And then you submit them. Bold, right? Crazy, right? And we have gotten thousands at this point now. And they continue to pour in by the minute, 
by the hour. So we got four more of them tonight. Boldest predictions as we roll into 2023. And we got one that sounds pretty familiar to lead off the segment because it happened a couple of years ago, just with different teams. So the first prediction is from Brendan. And he said, Georgia and LSU will both play in the SEC championship game and the national championship game. Yeah, it's pretty bold. But the reason it sounds familiar is because Bama and Georgia just did it in 2021. Having said that, this is a 9.5 on the boldness scale out of 10. As I said, yeah, it happened a couple of years ago. You just have to thread such a fine needle for this to happen. Number two, you got to have two elite teams, and both of them could be that. Certainly, we won't doubt Georgia, and LSU played in the SEC championship game last year, and they don't figure to go anywhere anytime soon. So you probably need LSU to win the thing is what we kind of decided internally here today. Because if you try and map it out, you, you probably need LSU to win it. Because LSU, number one, they are more likely to have lost a game along the way just because their schedule is tougher. Uh, Georgia's schedule, is, is, it's, a, it's a bakery, just Cupcake City, outside of a couple of you. And so Georgia can get there. And even if Georgia's undefeated and they lose in Atlanta and they have a soft schedule, there is no world, I don't think, where the committee takes the, the, what they would call the two-time defending champ. We don't really use that word here, but the two-time defending champ, and they lose one game and they're out. I think that still put Georgia in. Certainly, though, if LSU loses along the way and then they lose again in Atlanta, they're going to be out. So, you know, unless LSU's undefeated in Atlanta, you probably need LSU to win the SEC title. Now, that's just the first hurdle. The second hurdle is if you're going to have them meet in the national title game, that means they have to avoid each other in the semifinal. So not only do you need the right balance of, of things to fall your way through the conference championship Saturday portion of this, you also have to make sure the committee does not just pair them up again in the semifinal. And there will be conspiracy theories abounding if we were to get to that point. And it would sound a little something like this. <clears throat> hey, um, two years ago this happened, and the committee did not put Bama versus Georgia in the semifinal game, and look what they got stuck with. So are we really going to watch this four-team playoff era go out with another all-SEC championship game? Certainly not. That's what it'll sound like. Who knows? They may be right at this point. So I'm going to put the 9.5 on that one. Really, really tough. Not impossible. Really, really tough. Next up, boy, that Big Ten East. Nico hit us up from Strongville, Ohio. He said, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State will three-way tie in the Big Ten East. Now, I know what logic says. I know what the math says. I'm supposed to put a nine, at least, on this. This is really bold. But the thing about it is, I don't feel it's all that bold. So I only put an eight. I, I think this very well could happen. Eight's really high, too, but I think it very well could happen. Um, there's such a clear top three in this conference. Not just the division. There's such a clear top three in this conference, and you're looking at them right there, what it would, ha what it would probably take, probably, is just this little, this little round-robin whack-a-mole scenario where they all beat each other. Now, that's not necessarily what his prediction said. That's just how I see it happening. For the record, Vegas kind of sees a version of this. If you just look at the over-under win totals, Michigan's 10.5, Ohio State's 10.5, and, and Penn State's 9.5. So, so none of them are up in Georgia territory where it's 11. Some books have Georgia at 11 and a half. It's not quite there. So there is the expectation. Everyone drops one along the way somewhere. 
Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, obviously one, two, three to win the Big Ten championship. I really think that this is an eight. Like, I think there's a path where this happens, and then you get into the tiebreaker scenario. Um, I think we got like three deep before we saw that that's where they would go to decide it, and it's really convoluted. I don't want to waste your time on that. So that's an eight for me. Next up, we've gotten this prediction two years in a row. From Anchorage, Alaska. It hasn't come from Anchorage two years in a row. It's just that we've gotten it two years in a row. I need to say something about Alaska after this. So Drew said each Power Five conference will have a new team that wins their conference that didn't win it last year. So we'll have five new conference champs. Now, someone predicted this last year. Uh, It didn't happen. It's really hard to make this happen. Utah and Michigan, for the record, they both repeated. So Michigan and Utah screwed it up for you. Out of the teams that won their conferences last year, Georgia, Kansas State, Michigan, Utah, and Clemson, here's where they sit in terms of preseason odds. So Georgia is, again, the favorite to win the SEC. Kansas State is the number three favorite to win the Big 12. Utah, number four favorite, although it's, it's pretty tightly packed out there to win the Pac-12. Clemson, right there with Florida State, but Clemson's number two right now in terms of odds to win the ACC. And Michigan is the favorite to win the Big Ten. There is no single one conference here that would be crazy if we saw a new conference champ, even in the SEC. If Alabama or LSU won the SEC, it wouldn't be crazy. Uh, if, if we were to see USC or Washington or Oregon or, or whoever win the Pac-12, no, of course, that's not crazy. But if we have to have new blood all across the board, and keep in mind, that means someone else other than Clemson has to win the ACC, if we have new blood across the board, that's, that's several dominoes. So I'm putting a 7.75 on this. Uh, here's what I kept thinking, to go back to Clemson for a second. Colin, do we have Clemson's schedule? Just out of nowhere, I didn't even ask for it. Okay. It's always nice to hear your voice, by the way. So with, with all the other ones, like you know Ohio State plays Michigan way late in the year. You know that Utah, they've got that whole stretch way late in the year. But with Clemson, if you're starting to try and figure them out, they play at Duke to start the year. And that's a Monday night game, by the way. They play Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic. So that week four game comes against Florida State. And that's the biggest game of the year in the ACC. Highly suspect will be there, even if Notre Dame and Ohio State do still play on that same day. Um, that's a conundrum that we'll have to deal with internally. What if, let's just, let's just humor ourselves here. What if Clemson were to win 38 to 14 against Florida State? Or yeah, against Florida State in week four. You'd look the rest of the way. Their toughest remaining game probably is against Notre Dame. That's non-conference. And you would be telling yourself, well, if they just drug Florida State like that, I don't even care if there's a rematch in the ACC title game. Florida State's not beating them. And so already, my point is, in week four, you could, you could feel really, really bad about this prediction. Or maybe that game's close. Or maybe Florida State wins the game. And then Clemson's still got some treacherous back-to-back road games there. So we'll see. Uh, last prediction here, speaking of the ACC, they didn't beat around the bush with this one. Tony just said Florida State's going to win their national championship, fourth national championship from Orlando, Florida. Eight and a half is my prediction. Did I just start instinctively chopping on the desk? As I, yes. Do we take that as a sign? Perhaps. I won't say no. Did I just make my national championship prediction in May? Absolutely not. 
But feel free to suggest otherwise over on the Unconquered board over there on Knowles 24-7. They're plus 1,600 odds to win the title right now. That is tied for seventh in the country. So they're up there. They're in the mix. There is a path regardless of week four. So I was just talking about that Clemson game. They got a path regardless. What they need to do basically is make sure they at least split the LSU and Clemson games. That's week one and four. So both of those games are happening in September. And then they get the bye, and they'll be favored the rest of the way. Unless something weird happens, they should, as we sit here now, be favored the rest of the way. They got to split those first two games. And if they win both of them, then really look out, because then they become, well, those odds drop significantly. And when I say drop, I mean they become a lot more heavy a favorite to be in that mix. I'm making this an eight and a half. They have such a unique challenge in that receiver room right now that they're going to pose. I am going to read you this later, okay? But I do want to read you this now, too. So it's going to sound a little redundant later in the show. Do you realize that Florida State, actually, you know what? I'm not going to read it to you. They got a lot of kids, 6'4 or taller, on that team that can catch a football. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They got Keon Coleman recently. They got three of them in the tight end room. They got like three or four more of them in the receiver room. Such a unique challenge. There's not another team out there that's going to pose that kind of challenge to where if Florida State looks like they're tracking towards being a favorite to be in the playoff, all of a sudden you'll start looking at a Georgia or an Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or whoever's coming from the other portions of the country, and you'll start asking, how does Florida State match up with that secondary? And, and that's the kind of conversation that you could start having later in the year, but got to get the job done on the front end. And that just means splitting those first two games. They're not technically the first two. I don't want to disrespect the Boston colleges of the world. It's just the two games that people are going to focus on. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I am focused right now, as you should be, on Academy Sports and Outdoors. Not just because this bright blue mural is behind me, but also because, well, uh, to put it plainly, they are the only partner we have on this show. Not because we don't have other opportunities, mind you. I fielded three of them this week and politely but sternly said, no, thank you, Uh, because we don't need it. Because Academy Sports and Outdoors makes it such that we don't have to treat our show like a NASCAR race car and put stickers all over it. We, We got one. We ride with Academy Sports and Outdoors. You know, I had someone DM me, uh, what was it, yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. And they had a picture of a bright, shiny new baseball bat. Now, I already knew where it was going, but I always read the letters and I always look at the receipts anyway. And it was a doubter 
And this is why I'm telling you the story. It was someone who had doubted me. I occasionally get these emails where it's, it goes a little something like this. You know, you tell me on that show all the time that I can find pretty much anything I want at Academy. And I doubted you. And I actually, in this email, he said, I actually looked elsewhere for the product. Couldn't find exactly what I needed. And then I remembered Academy. And I, I, while I can't endorse that order of priority, I do endorse how it ended. And guess how it ended, friends? He found the bat at Academy for a nice price, too. So Academy Sports and Outdoors has you set, obviously, for all things outdoors, sporting goods, supplies, plus. And that plus is in like 72-point font because there's a lot of stuff there. As I always tell you, you just need to go in the store one time and you will thank me. And academy.com is your online source if you can't get there in person. We thank them. We thank them. We thank them. A lot of exciting things coming up with them. I am told via a very solid source placed deep within Academy that we may see our guys at SEC Media Days. Whomst knows? We'll see. It's like two blocks away. This year, we can walk to SEC Media Days. How about that? <clears throat> oh, I, I sneezed. I think the over-under on sneezes was 56 and a half today, and I hit the over. That's been a time. We've been doing some conference spotlights. Uh, in, in this case, I'm going to do a division spotlight. I'm going to take a sip from the chalice, as is my constitutional right. And then we're going to get back to it. Okay, here we go. No, hold on. Someone asked me if I'm at work right now. Um, yes. Okay. Thank you for bearing with me through that. <laughs> While we're at it, like and subscribe to the channel. Strictly due to the professionalism of this show, if nothing else, please subscribe to the channel and like the video. Uh, hey, we got to get to 200K somehow by the start of the season. I just decided that tonight. 200K. The drive to 200K begins now. The SEC West, it's interesting, isn't it? It's not Alabama in that defending championship position. It is LSU. The same LSU who had an over-under preseason win total in the six or seven range last year. So even in the SEC West, yes, friends, anything could happen. So the first thing I need to ask you as we do this little, this little post-spring kind of examination of the SEC West is, what is Alabama? What is Alabama? Whomst is Alabama? What are we going to see from Alabama this year? You know, we've talked about this a lot. I think it bears repeating one more time. There is a talking point circulating the college football public ether that this team's down a little bit. The roster's down a little bit. Roster's not down, man. Quarterback room's down. The roster's not down. Out of the six highest ranked recruiting classes in history, Bama's got three of them on campus right now. That's what their team's made of. They've got talent elsewhere on par with anyone in the country. It's the quarterback room that could be an issue. Now, it also bears repeating, when Tyler Buckner transferred in there, no one transferred out. Make of that what you will. Anyway, I'm not here to tell you what you already know. I'm here to ask you, what is that team going to be this year? Like, my personal take on it is I'm kind of, in a way, morbidly excited about them having questions at the quarterback position. And it's not because that's a good thing overall for most teams. But for a team as talented as them, and a team that used to butter their bread in an entirely different style than just disproportionately leaning on quarterback, I'm excited to see them know several months ahead of time, we are not going to be able to lean on quarterback. We have to win playing defense. We may have to win running the ball. We may have to win a few games where we scored 24 points. 
I'm actually excited to watch that. Maybe I'm just a sicko, but I'm excited to watch that. But in that whole what is Alabama, there's always the rosy glass half full or chalice half full, if you will. But let's go chalice half empty for a second. Let's just be full negatiders. What happens if they go nine and three or eight and four, which is it boggles the mind to even conceptualize that. But I've seen a few of those predictions out there. What happens if last year's close win turns into this year's loss and last year's loss remains a loss? They certainly have teams on their schedule uh, that pose a challenge. They have four of the top 13 odds favorites to make the playoff on this schedule here. And obviously, they play some of them on the road, play some of them at home. That's the way scheduling works. I, would, I, I cannot prepare myself, and nor can you prepare yourself adequately for the conversation if Bama were to not win double-digit games. That's a first-world problem, obviously, but I, I think it, it, it's in everyone's best interest down there. Just go ahead and make it back to Atlanta this year. But if they don't, whew, that'll be its own segment, I can assure you of that. Meanwhile, down the road in Baton Rouge, Another question we could ask is, has LSU just permanently ascended to the head table? That doesn't mean win the conference every year or even win the division every year, but you know what I mean. LSU was at the big boy table for a long time to where you knew if Alabama's going to win the West, it's got to go through LSU. They're going to have something to say about it. They were always a tough out. Even when Bama was running off that string of wins against LSU, most of them were not blowouts. Most of them were not even you know, double-digit wins. They were really close, back and forth. So LSU, just out of nowhere, wins the division last year. It wasn't luck at all, although some people would call it that. I would just call it a faster-than-expected start. And the fact that Brian Kelly's a really, really good coach and understands how to structure a program the right way and has sustainability about that structure. So for the doubters out there, I guess I ask the question, are they permanently at the head table? Because they're sitting here this year you open up that preview magazine season when it arrives in the mail in, a, I guess, a few weeks at this point, you're going to see them ranked inside the top 10 when they play Florida State in week one this year. It's going to be a highly, highly ranked matchup. That is two top 10 teams that a couple of years ago we weren't saying about either one of them. And so there they are. Brian Kelly, Mike Norvell, there they are. Well, I'm not a believer that college football needs any one team to be good to flourish. However, I am a believer that college football is a sports kind of better when certain teams are good, LSU is one of them, selfishly, because I love LSU, and some of them even love me back. No, LSU treats us great. We may be down there soon. We'll see. So if LSU is at that head table, then you start to ask questions elsewhere. In fact, we can go to it right now, because you've got overhauls going on at Texas A&M. You've got overhauls going on at Arkansas. I mean, at A&M, it's, it's pretty high profile. I don't think as many people have talked about Arkansas outside of this show. Not as many people have talked about Arkansas, but at A&M, you know they brought Petrino in, okay? Why did they do that? Obviously, they sucked water through a garden hose offensively last year. They were 101st points per game. They were 75th in explosive play rate, and honestly, I didn't know they were that highly ranked when it comes to explosive plays. They were 93rd in yards per game last year. Atrocious. And the talent in the cupboard's far better than those numbers. So Connor Wegman, think he'll start at quarterback? Great. I got good pieces around him. They've got guys that could be stars, like Evan Stewart could be a star out there. You've got to have the right offense to have him plugged into. So if Bobby Petrino comes in there and he truly is the magic elixir that, that just overhauls everything, wonderful. Is that going to happen? That's the great question that we get to ask ourselves for the next couple of months. 
But you kind of know about that. Like, that's the going question for everyone around the country when it comes to Texas A&M. But at Arkansas, I think uh, maybe most people don't remember they're replacing both coordinators up there. And not only that, I mean, Pittman did a flush on a number of different compartments of his program. Strength and conditioning, overhauled. Nutrition, overhauled. Not to mention both of the coordinator spots, overhauled. Oh, and his roster, via the portal, overhauled. But what they didn't overhaul is the quarterback position. Now, there are different opinions out there on how good K.J. Jefferson is. I happen to think they're far better with him than without him. Let me just, let me just make that bold proclamation here. So they were 56th out of 65 teams in Power 5 competition last year defensively. So it's got to be better. I mean, they had some injuries early, early, early in the year, obviously, but it's got to be better. So with that going on, Okay, that's one kind of churn. Then you got the portal churn at places like Auburn and Ole Miss, which, which is just a fascinating story. So at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin has, I think, as good as anyone in America dialed into what he can do and what he can't do. And realistically speaking, what he can't do is just go toe-to-toe on the high school recruiting trail with Georgia. That's not going to happen. But what he can do is he can get selective and he can be really good selectively in NIL and keeping guys like Quinshawn Judkins on campus. And then also he can go via the portal and replenish his roster. It's not an ideal world. It may not be long-term sustainable. But it, you gotta, look, you've got to worry about tomorrow before you can worry about 2027. And Lane Kiffin's doing that right now. So they needed wide receiver help. And it's been interesting there because there have been, there've been some guys that they've gone after. Coleman, the latest example, that ended up going to Florida State and they've missed on but they're still in it for kids. And so this is going to be an experiment every year we're talking about with them. They're over under win total seven and a half. So we'll see with them. At Auburn, Hugh Freeze is killing it in the portal right now. In fact, you know what I'm going to do, Colin? Uh, because they put us in their hype video the other day, and I appreciate that. I saw that, by the way. I'm going to wait for us to get an Auburn graphic on the screen. Because look, there's a half decent chance they use what I'm about to say. Here's how it works right here. Watch this. Hugh Freeze is killing it in the transfer portal. And cut. All right, you guys can use that part. Now let's talk for real. Hugh Freeze is killing it in the transfer portal. So that wasn't an act. He really is. They have brought in a ton of kids. They've, had, they've got the number three class in the portal right now. They just brought in some more kids. And they've had, I think, 20 go out and 19 come in. It's either one way or the other. So a lot of kids have exited. A lot of kids have come in. They also got themselves a quarterback in Peyton Thorne. Uh, they've got some receiver help in the, couple, in the last couple of weeks. They have the number 18 recruiting class, number three transfer class. Hugh Freeze has given himself an opportunity, and he's given the Auburn Tigers an opportunity to be competitive in year one. They have, just for comparison's sake, they've brought in more four-star players via the portal than any other team this cycle. That includes Colorado. That includes USC. That includes anyone. Auburn has brought in more four-star or higher-rated talent via the portal, this cycle, than anyone else. That wasn't optional. That was a necessity, and Hugh Freeze got it done. And also, Mike Leach passed away at Mississippi State, and it dominated the headlines, as it should. And Zach Arnett uh, took the reins as head coach there, the defensive coordinator. And because of what happened with Leach, uh, and understandably so, there's been a hesitation to even start talking about Mississippi State on the field this coming year. Well, it's about time to start talking about that, all due respect. And you, do, do you guys understand, there's a quarterback in the SEC 
that is already the leader in the history of the conference in completions, there is a quarterback that just passed Eli Manning for all-time SEC touchdown passes, and he's coming back this year. Like he has another year to play. That's Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Now, they're, they're very content over there with no one talking about him. At, at least one show is going to talk about him because I'm sitting here and I know they got LSU and Bama in the first five weeks of the season and play them both at home. They go to South Carolina first five weeks of the season. They could, they could aggravate a lot of people, to say the very least, in the first few weeks of the season. But it's, it's a great unknown also because we don't even really know what to expect the team to look like because it, it, it goes from a Mike Leach philosophy to a defensive coordinator's philosophy as your new head coach. And so that's a great unknown over there. Mississippi State may have the worst odds in the SEC West. They got better odds than several teams over in the SEC East. It's just a deeper, deeper division. I've had a guy coming at me on Twitter over the past week saying, you still haven't explained what makes the West better than the East. I haven't. I don't think I need. Do I really need to? I don't think I need to. They're watching us in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We tried to spell it without help earlier to no avail. They're watching us in Pensacola, Florida, and Greensboro, North Carolina, home of the Greensboro Coliseum. Thank you guys so much for watching. You may think, if you just listen to your neighbor, you may think the transfer portal's done. It's closed. And in a sense, they're right. I don't want to trash your neighbor. Sounds like a good dude from what I know about him. But the portal is closed. You can't get in it, but you can still be in it if you were already in it before the deadline. And after a sip from the chalice, I got some big news for you. In fact, it's appropriate that the color of the, the choice liquid in the chalice is sort of garnet, maybe a little garnet, because the latest out of the transfer portal has to do with Keon Coleman. Colin, that's probably your end point there. Keon Coleman was the biggest target remaining in the transfer portal, by my estimation, literally and figuratively, 6'4 and change and he was a receiver from Michigan State, uh, put up about 800 yards receiving and seven touchdowns in a bad year last year. He picked FSU over Ole Miss. This is the one we've been monitoring for a while. Remember, he and Peyton Thorne both went in the portal at Michigan State about the same time. He has landed at Florida State. Now, I told you earlier in the show, let me paper pop for this one. I told you earlier in the show, I was going to give you a, a little list of the heights of the guys in their receiver room now. So you got Johnny Wilson at 6'7". Keon Coleman just walked in the door. He's 6'4". Hakeem Williams is 6'3". Kentron Poitier is 6'3". Deuce Spann is 6'4". Damian Williamson is 6'3". And then they got three tight ends that are 6'7", 6'4", and 6'3", respectively. I think the average male is like 5'10", right? You walk in there, this look, they look like Lithuanians. It's crazy. It's like watching the Olympics when I was younger saying, Dad, what country are they from? And he just tells me a long way away from Harris County, Georgia. Uh, they have monsters in Tallahassee, Florida right now. And so I'm, I'm going to keep asking you, and a lot of people will pick up on it as the season gets closer, how many secondary rooms right now, how many DB rooms feel totally comfortable that you have the size and physicality to match up with not just that room, but remember, Jordan Travis is returning at quarterback there. Brendan Sinone from Knowles 24-7 had a really, really good tweet here. If you're on podcast, listen to this. So Keon Coleman was among the best wide receivers nationally last season 
in production on go routes, hitch routes, and in routes. Jordan Travis, the quarterback there, had the fifth best passer rating nationally when throwing those three concepts. Look at that. They told me data and analytics would just confuse me. Well, I let Sanon put it in terms even I could understand, and I appreciate that. And then he put up a fancy chart that just thoroughly confused me again. Running backs are coming off the board, too. I think I, it was about a week ago when I said, hey, there are two running backs here that you need to pay attention to. Well, they're gone now. They have, they have found new homes. Logan Diggs was out of Notre Dame, had a, a little over 1,000 yards total and six touchdowns last year. He's gone to LSU. It's not just the Auburn Tigers in the West that have been making moves. The LSU Tigers have been on a roll in the portal and recruiting, too. Brian Kelly is killing it at LSU right now. So Logan Diggs goes to LSU. Alton McCaskill, that was the kid who was the AAC freshman of the year a couple of years ago. He goes from Houston to Colorado. So Dion got him one here. Two years ago, he was injured last year. Two years ago, 1,074 yards rushing, 18 touchdowns, and he was a true freshman. So they got a good talent there if he's healthy. Kayvon Lee, uh, kind of a depth chart casualty from Penn State. He goes to Mississippi State. He's had 1,000 rush yards over three seasons there. He's really versatile. He can catch the ball out of the backfield for him. And look, the thinking there obviously is if he's put in a more feature role, he could do some things for you. It's just that it's really hard to crack that rotation when you have what you have at Penn State right now. And also, the kid whose last name it, it really is hard for me to pronounce, uh, Demi Sumo, and then it starts with a K. Well, he went from NC State to Kentucky. And really what you need to know there is retro freshman, a little over 450 yards rushing, four touchdowns. He's just staying paired up with Devin Leary, who was his quarterback. So those are big time, well, those are big names at the running back position out of the portal who have moved on. The wide receiver from North Texas that I mentioned a little while ago, Jair Shorter, that is another big time name that Auburn landed. Had two kids out of North Texas, big pass catchers, had Gums, the tight end, who went to Arkansas, then didn't then stayed at Arkansas, a, a classic transfer portal recommitment, if you will, which was a term that was, uh, I think, coined by Webster's like 10 minutes ago. Well, Jair Shorter was on that same team, and he was number one in all of FBS in yards per catch last year. Did you know that? Hugh Freeze did. That's why I went and got him. 13th best available player in the portal at the time. He's a four-star receiver. Really good deep threat here for Peyton Thorne who himself is a transfer portal addition for Auburn. So Auburn now, number three class in the transfer portal. They've lost 20 kids to the portal. They've added 19. Ten of those 19 players are ranked four stars. That's the most in all of America. Who's still in this thing? Who are the best players still available? Because you might think that it's empty. It's not quite empty yet. If you need wide receivers, the last thing you do before you go on vacation out there, coaches, if you need a wide receiver or two, Six out of the top 10 available players in the portal as of tonight are at the wide receiver position. And we also, you know, on our show, we took a little interest in Isaac Ukwu. That is the seventh year kid out of James Madison, the defensive end. He's still available. <clears throat> and Pate State's put out an offer. It's conditional, though. Like, we'd like for him to go to some place that actually exists. But if no one else offers him, we got a spot for a seventh year senior. Last name UKWU at Pate State. So there's that. Uh, we move merrily along. What have we done tonight? We've done conference spotlights. We've done bold predictions. Well, why not throw in a mood tracker? We got all our different concepts in play here tonight. 
It's a fun time. You know, imagine, I was thinking, I was talking to someone about this uh, yesterday who was having a bad day at work, and then they said, you couldn't imagine what I'm going through. And they were absolutely right, because we get to drive to work to talk about football every day. And it's even better than some of my other friends in sports media, because some of my other buddies, they got to talk NBA if they say talk NBA. They got to talk Major League Baseball if they say talk Major League Baseball. We just get to do college football all year round. I mean, we are so synonymous with year-round college football that people send us cowbells with our faces on them. Isn't that great? So, yeah, if you had a bad day at work, I hate it for you. But here, at least we're going to give you a show to where you can escape for a little while. Escaping is exactly what some of our brethren down at Miami wanted to do last year. It's not fun to get beat by Duke. It's not fun to get beat by Middle Tennessee State at home emphatically. I know it's not fun to get beat by Florida State by 42, but yet all those things happened last year. This is the mood tracker, though. We're talking about what the mood of the fan base is. And I had to play a classic 70s tune for producer Jesse earlier today to explain why I was going the direction I was going with the Miami mood tracker. So, Looking for a reason to believe is exactly where Miami finds themselves right now. I think it was Rod Stewart, uh, for the record. A reason to believe. That's all they need. I think that's kind of how we would have classified them last year. I think there was a little more enthusiasm, uh, falsely based enthusiasm maybe, as it related to the 2022 season. Maybe, you know, being favored or right up there with being a favorite to win the division. And that's on odds makers, by the way. That's not just your fault blindly. Maybe that was a little aggressive. So here we are now, coming off a 5-7 and seven season. And no, the expectations aren't nearly as high. Where they really shot themselves in the foot last year was they whiffed on the coordinator hires. They know that internally. They whiffed on the coordinator hires. You got to suck it up and deal with it. And Mario did. Kevin Steele moved on. He fired Josh Gaddis and went and hired new coordinators, each side of the ball. Kept his quarterback, which is really important in Tyler Van Dyke, but also signed the seventh-ranked recruiting class, seventh-ranked portal class. That is what you get when you hire Mario Cristobal. You know you're about to have assassins on the recruiting trail. And that's what they've done. But I think that they will even up it a notch from what you've seen so far if a couple of things happen. Uh, Number one, if they win this year, you don't have to win 10 games, but just like be way better than you were last year that'll ease the doubts in a lot of people's minds. And then number two, what will have happened if that occurs is one or hopefully both of these coordinator hires will have validated themselves. And at that point, you can go on the recruiting trail and you can take dudes who know they're going to be there and you can take a product that's a little more proven and gives a little more confidence that we're headed in the right direction. So they're already recruiting really well. Uh, There's probably still a different gear that Miami recruiting can hit that it hasn't hit yet. So. That, that's, that's one of many reasons to believe. That's what they're looking for down there. The fan base needs a reason to believe. It would be foolish also if I did not mention what Florida State's doing right now. See, for a little while, it didn't really matter if you were down in the ACC because other than Clemson, everyone else was down too. Maybe not the case anymore. Maybe your rival up the road has gotten its act together. And all of a sudden, you're using that Florida State logo being mentioned in college football playoff conversation and certainly ACC championship conversation. They're the favorite to win the conference as we sit here right now. 
I know you don't think so, but I will suggest from afar here in Nashville, that's a good thing for Miami. Not because you love to see them enjoy an ounce of success, but because if there's any added heat that needs to be placed on your program, that'll do it. That dynamics existed for a long time with various rivals. I mean, think about, um, think about the Alabama-Auburn rivalry for a little while. Think about what Nick Saban coming to Alabama forced Auburn into doing. And they ended up winning a title out of it and went to play for another one a few years later. Does anyone think that Gene Chizik and then Gus Malzahn, respectively, are, are winning and then playing for national championships if Alabama's just humming along at seven wins a year? I don't. And so likewise, down there in the state of Florida, yeah, you've underachieved. That is what it is. You can't change the past. I don't think it'll do anything but help Miami that Florida State is all of a sudden in ascension mode. So, you know, I'm someone who is not necessarily affiliated with either program, but you know my thoughts on the state of Florida. You know my thoughts about how important recruiting in the home state is, as is the case in Texas, as is the case in California, for getting yourself some more balance nationally. Because as long as I can remember through this last decade, yeah, it's been a few teams on top. You've seen the end result. You've seen all that orange and white confetti or that crimson and white confetti or that black and red confetti. I have watched them go into South Florida and poach talent to build the rosters to achieve that. It sure would mean something if they had a little tougher time doing that. And to achieve that, you got to have a Miami that's flying high and in an ideal world, a Florida and a Florida state as well. They start with Miami of Ohio, which is the matchup the country is long for, by the way. And then they got A&M coming in there in week two. That was a back and forth game last year. They lost it in College Station. And then they got a couple of out of conference. Then they get the bye week. And then it's all conference play from that point on. They do get Clemson at home. They do go to Florida State later in the year. Reason to believe. Still, I look to find a reason to believe. Those are the exact lyrics. That is the exact vibe I get out of Miami right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I promised you that I would give you some thoughts now that we're deeper into the show. <clears throat> um, most of you know who Pat McAfee is. Some of you may not. Um, there are a lot of options out there. Uh, Pat McAfee is the biggest name in sports media today. And he built that empire entirely in digital media, which means YouTube. Sometimes, because that's what we did with our show, sometimes you still struggle with uh, the generation that is... 35 and older, conveying to them that this is where it's at now. 
the, the reverence that you used to treat linear or what would you call legacy media, traditional television, that yesterday is this today. And the bonus is there's more freedom over here on this platform, i.e. you can wear a white t-shirt on air and not get in trouble. So Pat McAfee uh, signed a bajillion dollar deal with ESPN, announced it a couple of days ago. Those of us in this world were emphatic for him for many reasons. But my thoughts about it, because I had hundreds of you asking, hey, what do you think about that? Is that going to impact you? Yeah, it'll impact me in a very good way. It'll impact all of us in a very good way. High tide raises all boats and whatnot. Uh, But my thought was, it's interesting to see how far we've come in such a short amount of time on two fronts. If I were to rewind a decade ago, it was like taboo to have sports in Las Vegas. Now everyone's got a team in Vegas. And in reality, it was never off limits. It just took one. It just took one. And then all of a sudden the floodgates open. Also, that Supreme Court overturn of the uh, federal sports betting ban in 2018 didn't hurt. But over in our world, the same thing happens. It's like you've got, you've got something that can't be. And it's why I talk all the time on the show about the difference between haven't and cannot. Because there are some things that haven't been that absolutely can be. And I look at Pat McAfee's situation, and I can only compare it to what we've experienced here. He's going to ESPN, and they've promised full creative control. Now, some of you, because of the content in his show, some of the language in that show, you're doubtful that ESPN will follow through on that. I know what creative control means. I know what it means to have it in your deal because I got it in mine. And I work for a great company. And to this very moment, we've been here, what, Colin, since 2020, to this moment, no one at CBS or 24-7 has ever stepped in for a second and tried to steer the direction of our show. So, so they put it in writing and they have followed through on it. So we don't, I told you, we don't really have bad days here. Like we, we're not constantly fighting back and forth. In fact, we get great help from the powers that be here. I mean, I could not be happier with the way that they've treated us and and the yeses we get that we're so oftentimes no's in this business until like five minutes ago. So anyway, my point there is, and my point will always be, it is because of you. It's not because of anyone else. It's not because Pat McAfee. It's not because anyone else. It's because of you. You determine that. You determine it with your viewership. Just like in our world, just like with our show, you determine that management gives us yeses because you watch the show and you support the show because hopefully we're delivering something that you want. And if I know you like I think you do, we're delivering something that you want that you couldn't get anywhere else, especially the places you used to get it. And the reason I say it like that is because that's why I started the show because I used to get good college football content from certain places then they stopped and went down different roads. And so that gave us a wide open lane. And you've been here for us every step of the way. This will only continue. So there are going to be opportunities for a lot of folks. And it will only continue. Um, just like I heard him say to his audience, I'll tell you the exact same thing. We're in a really good spot. There is no desperation. We don't need to do anything. So any opportunity that comes down the road for us in the future will always be made with authenticity and adherence to what our product is in mind. So you won't see me in a tuxedo anytime soon, is what I'm trying to tell you. All right, lastly, I need to take you up to the Big Ten for a second. I need to talk about some big, big 10 games. Big, big, yeah, that was right. Big, big 10 games. I'm going to go chronologically here because I think we all know where this culminates. But in week four, 
There is a game in State College, Pennsylvania, and it features Iowa and Penn State. Now, the last time these teams played was two years ago, and that's the afternoon out in Iowa City that Sean Clifford went down, and it just totally wrecked Penn State's season. I happen to believe that they were tracking towards some pretty special things. Well, it all went sideways that afternoon. They didn't play last year. This year they play, and how crazy is this? It's the whiteout game on CBS. My, how the broadcast world has changed. Iowa has a reworked offense, or so they tell me. And we've got Cade McNamara, formerly at Michigan, now at Iowa, presumably the starting quarterback there. Eric All, the tight end, comes along with him. And they're going to go in there, and they're going to face probably the best defense they will have faced all year. Iowa's over-under win total, 7.5. Penn State's is 9.5. It's the whiteout. It's going to be wonderful. It's the first chance that probably Penn State has to measure their, their own selves. Them owns, how do you say that? Their own selves, I guess. Measure their own selves against a quality defensive out, out, outfit, albeit one that lost several pieces. But that's one. Just because we, we got to feel out guys like Drew Aller, new, new quarterback there. We got to feel them out. We got to feel out that offense. Then in week eight is when it really starts going down. So week eight is a big week in the Big Ten. I got three games, three out of the six games on my must-watch Big Ten game of the year calendar. It's the same week. And one of them is going to sound a little weird. Wisconsin at Illinois sounds weird to you. I think that game may decide the Big Ten West. Remember, this is the last year, thankfully, that we're going to have divisions up there. Um, Luke Fickle gets his shot here. Like Luke Fickle could win a division in his first year as head coach there at Wisconsin. Brett Bielema's got his shot too, though. And they were pretty good last year. They're one of our favorite bets on the over for the win total this year. I think Illinois and Wisconsin there in week eight, while everyone's looking ahead to bigger games in the East, this game could be what determines the other team that you see in Indianapolis. Same week, week eight, same time as that one's going on. You know what Michigan's doing? They're playing at Michigan State. Do you care about that? Well, I do. Because Michigan, number one, is one of the best teams in the country. But what is Michigan State? Michigan State two years ago was wonderful. Michigan State last year was horrific. And I got a guy up there in Mel Tucker making tons of money. But what are they going to be this year? Well, they will have played Washington already. They will have played Maryland. They will have gone to Iowa and gone to Rutgers, and then they get Michigan. And that begins a stretch that will see them end up facing Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. They got to play all three of them. Going to be a tough road. 29-7 to was the final score in this game last year. The early line is Michigan minus 17 and a half, and that's, I believe, in East Lansing. So that's the second leg of our trifecta there in Week 8. Also, this is the same day Penn State plays Ohio State. And in the SEC, Tennessee plays Alabama on this day. So how about, a, how about an early paper pop for week eight? Ohio State will have played Notre Dame so far on the road. That'll be the toughest defense they will have faced. This is the best defense I think that they'll face all year. And it's the first time that we'll, in conference play at least, get to see either Kyle McCord or Brown, whichever one wins the starting quarterback job, against an elite defense. Ohio State's won the last six in this series. They've won 10 out of the last 11. Who is Drew Aller by week eight? Starting quarterback there for Penn State. Who is he by week eight? You know, I keep talking to you about how the offense may take a little time to settle in. 
that's why it's a good thing their schedule's not front-loaded. Well, by week eight, I mean, we should, for better or for worse, we should know what we have there this year. Over-under win totals, nine and a half for Penn State, ten and a half for Ohio State, and the reason for that gap is probably this game and where it is. It's in Columbus, Ohio. I think the line there's about ten and a half. I think that's what we're looking at right now. Week 11, so a couple of weeks later, that's when Michigan goes to Penn State. Obviously, depending on the outcome of that Penn State-Ohio State game, we may see Penn State in do-or-die mode here. And this is Michigan's first big test. Now, I know that sounds crazy because it's in week 11. That's the way the schedule breaks for them. The Big Ten's Michigan is the SEC's Georgia. When it comes to schedule this year, there's not a ton of unknown, though, for Michigan. So it's not like they've got a bunch of new pieces and you don't find out about them. They got a lot of returning pieces, actually. You just find out about like this year's version of Michigan a little bit more in this game. Not going to be the whiteout. Don't blame me. Blame the television partners. But you remember what happened in this game last year? Penn State fans do. Michigan fans do. What does the number 418 mean to you? Because that is how many yards rushing Michigan had against them. Not in this decade. Not in the history of the series or anything like that. They put 418 up on them on the ground last year. A little over seven yards per carry. Uh, it, was a, it was a bloodbath. It was a splattering. And uh, what can change over the course of a year? Well, I'll take the under on 418 rush yards for Michigan, but Michigan's still going to be favored. Short favorite, but a favorite in that game right now. And then, of course, we build to the crescendo in rivalry week. Week 13, Ohio State at Michigan could have its own segment. Don't really have anything to say that you don't already think or you don't already know, but two in a row, uh, I guess that qualifies as a streak, but certainly three in a row would. Uh, Michigan is, as of this moment, favored in this game. They're favored to win the Big Ten as a result. Are both teams unblemished? Does a team already have a blemish? Um, is it a situation where the loser could still make the playoff? So many unknowns. Uh, but if Ohio State loses that game, I think a lot of, a lot of folks are starting to talk about this now. It's, it's what it is what it is, I guess. The whole... Does it matter what Ryan Day does elsewhere if he doesn't beat Michigan? My answer is, yeah, it matters a lot because all those games count. Yeah, this one's bigger. Yeah, I understand that. But I'm not in that camp that says, well, 11-1 and one doesn't matter if the one loss is to Michigan. No, the loss matters, but so do the wins. So that is a look at the Big Ten. The schedule, especially, it's kind of like the Pac-12. You get a little bit deeper in the schedule, and it's loaded up pretty good. I'm so glad they're getting rid of divisions. I, that, that, that is one concept, that is one change in this sport that I have embraced with open arms. I mean, think, think about Penn State. So Penn State's sitting there, they're having divisions go away and the playoff expand. It's a really good time to be James Franklin. And it's a really good time to be us. Why? Because we have you with us. And that was lame. Someone bet me to say that and thought I wouldn't and I have. I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, do me a favor. So we want 200K. That's what I want. Not even gonna, I'm not even going to hide from it. I want 200,000 subs on this channel by the time we kick off the season. And we're at like 178 or 179 right now. So we can do it. We just have to. It's kind of like the ACC told you. We all have to be in this together. So unlike them, we can actually accomplish that here. Let's all get in it together 
It's free, doesn't cost you anything. Subscribe to the channel and then get your friends to do it as well. Why? Because we all know they need a little more college football in their life. So for producer Jesse, for director Colin, for Bradley the Associate, I'm Josh Pate. Take care, have a great rest of your evening, and God bless. hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!